Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Gift of Choice, hosted by entrepreneurial coach and holistic nurse practitioner, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her guests offer information and motivation each week to help you live your dream and attain the health, happiness, and abundance you deserve. Now, here's the host of The Gift of Choice, Bonnie Gressel. Well, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Bonnie Gressel, here at The Gift of Choice on Blog Talk Radio. I'm also on iTunes and Speak Up Talk Radio, so you can find this show in a number of places. You know, I wanted to tell you, and I always want to tell you, how much I appreciate all of you taking the time out of your busy day to spend a little time with us here on the show. My goal is to provide great content so that you feel that this time is well spent. Now today, I have a great guest. I know you're going to really love the show. We're going to be talking about mindfulness and learning how to be in the present moment without judgment can change your life and your health in a huge way. We're going to hear more from Sam Shelley in his new book, I Don't Dwell, on the show today. Now just a reminder, you can listen to all of the past episodes right here on Blog Talk Radio. Everything is archived and saved forever, I think. I think there are shows for the last, I don't know, three, four years, and as well on iTunes. And then we stream the last episode each and every week on Speak Up Talk Radio. And they stream the shows 24-7. You know, they're always on for you. You can listen to them in the middle of the night and start at the beginning of the show. It's really a nice service. To be part of this community... If you want to be sort of more in the know about things that are changing, coming up, new shows that are on the horizon, you can do that in a number of ways. You can follow the show page. And actually, if you um, are on Blog Talk Radio, there's a follow button kind of just right up near the top, near my picture. And just click on follow. It'll keep you sort of in the loop. If you're listening on iTunes, you can um, subscribe. And then the shows as they are are produced will come into your newsfeed. Or you can join our Facebook group, Gift of Choice Radio Show on on Facebook. Now, I always want to remind people that the Gift of Choice show is educational, inspirational, and I hope motivational in nature, but I want you to take what fits for you and just let go of the rest. The Gift of Choice show does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment either. I always want to preface every episode with just that little reminder. Now, for those of you who might want to listen in on the phone, I want to give you the call-in number. And you can always come and chat with us live on the air as well. I'll tell you how to do that. So if you need the call-in number, it's 714-816-4716. And if you'd like to be live on the air with us, just hit one on your phone, and that lets me know that you've raised your hand and you would like to be live on the air. And from where I am, I can unmute you, and then we can be live on the air. It's so cool the way you can do that these days. You know, before I get into the content of each show, I always want to take just a minute, just a moment, maybe 60 seconds, maybe 90 seconds to just Allow everyone to stop, to pause, as Coach Petty would say, because we don't often do that. We don't often give ourselves the time to just stop everything and just breathe. 
When you breathe in through your nose, it's a more relaxing breath. And when you let that exhale go a really long time, that too activates that relaxing side of you. It's called the parasympathetic nervous system. So if you're in a place today, if you're listening live, or if you're listening to the recording later, but if you're in a place where you can sort of come down a little bit and just be in the present moment, you mean driving on the freeway, you know, I want you to pay attention to driving on the freeway. But if you're in a place where you can kind of come down with all of us here on the show, I invite you to do that. So as you take a nice breath in and then just let everything go that you don't need right now. Just breathing. That's all, the only thing that you need to do. Just notice. The breath as it comes in. And the breath as it goes out. We don't often take the time to just notice what it's like to breathe. So take this time as the breath goes in. And letting everything else go that you don't need right now, just leave with the out-breath. Breathing in. And breathing out. Without pushing it or pulling it, just letting it be. Just noticing. Letting it flow. Without judgment. It is what it is. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and out. You might start to notice that you feel a little more relaxed. Maybe your shoulders come down a bit. As you breathe in and letting everything go that you don't need right now. There's nothing else that you need to do. You decided at some level to listen to the show today. This is your time. Your time to be here with us, to be present, and to take in all the good stuff we've got to talk about. So one more big breath in and letting that all out, everything that you don't need right now. That breath, that bigger breath at the end, is sort of a signal breath. It gives your body the signal that although it's good to hang on to that relaxed, centered, grounded feeling, it's maybe time to come back to the here and now and be present for the discussion that we have on the show today. I don't know about you, but I always feel so much better after I just take that moment. And we spent, what, a minute, maybe a minute and a half? It doesn't have to take very long. You know, our life is so busy. Our world is so busy that we just don't stop to simply breathe. We don't do that often enough. And that's really one of the reasons that I take a moment every week on this show to do just that, to give permission to whoever needs permission, to just stop and be present. To just pay attention to their breath without judgment. 
to pay attention to, to notice the, the thoughts that might come through your mind. Because thoughts will. I mean, Andy Wilde once said at a conference I was at that our minds are like little sausage machines. They keep just making thoughts. And so that's going to happen. You can't get rid of all thoughts. But when you focus your attention on something so intensely, like your breath, pretty soon the rest of the mind chatter falls away because you're not paying attention to it. You're focused on something else. That's really, to me, what meditation is. You know, it's sort of, mindfulness is sort of holding the space with yourself, so to speak. You know, we've all heard of holding the space with others. How often, or not often, do we do that for ourselves? And that's really what being mindful is. And what a a little practice of meditation is for people. Holding that space for you. You know, sometimes people think that it's another thing they have to put on their to-do list to fit into their day, and it takes a long time, and they have to sit cross-legged and and go home for an hour in order to meditate. Well, although you can meditate that way, you don't have to meditate in that way. There's lots of ways, as we're going to hear about on the show today. You know, I've often taught this class called Meditation for Busy People. It was, I taught, I don't know how many times I've taught this class in our local area. And there was always a full class, a waiting list, and they would ask me to come back and do another session. And I thought, you know, there's so much need for this. I think mindfulness and meditation and just being aware of your life so you don't miss it is becoming more of a common thing, more of a mainstream thing. And so I actually, a few years ago, I created... Um, a, a CD about it. It's a CD about the, kind of gives the details of the class, a few of them. And then I also walk people through a few meditations. And it's just a nice way to remind ourselves. I mean, this isn't rocket science. It's not new. Some people think that mindfulness is sort of, oh, it's that new age stuff. Well, there's nothing new about it, really. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years. I mean, 2,500 years ago, Buddha was talking about it and introducing mindfulness. I mean, that's a long time ago. I know I took a class once with Rick Hansen, and he wrote the book Buddha's Brain, which is really a good book if you're interested in this topic. Um, I, In his class, it was a one-day workshop that I did with him. It was fascinating. I also had the opportunity... Um, many years ago, to do a one-day workshop with John Kabat-Zinn, which was also fascinating. He had us doing all sorts of mindfulness techniques, including some yoga techniques, and it was just a fabulous day. I felt so uplifted and so uplifted and grounded at the same time, if that makes any sense. At the end of that day, it was just an amazing day. You know, learning to be mindful and being non-judgmental Accepting of what is can be a valuable skill that helps in everything in your life. And we're going to hear more about that with Sam's story today on the show. You know, it's simple. It can be a moment here or there. It can be, you don't have to spend an hour at it. It can be a moment. You know, standing in line. How long have you stood in the grocery line maybe getting a little impatient because the line was moving too slow? It's a perfect time to just stop and breathe. <laughs> I mean, pay attention to your breathing. You always have to breathe anyway, but just paying attention, being mindful of that. Getting your oil changed is one of my favorite times of meditation. 
Lots of times my husband will take the car to get the oil changed, but sometimes I have to do it. And it only takes 10 minutes, right? It's a 10-minute lube job. Well, I don't. I used to, years ago, take a magazine or a book or something with me. I don't do that anymore. I just sit in the little waiting area that they have for you while you're waiting for your car. That's my time to just be mindful and to just do nothing but sit there. It's awesome. There's a little uh, meditation that I do when I do the class, uh, Meditation for Busy People. It's actually an exercise that John Kabat-Zinn uses in, has, gosh, years ago, I think it's 20-some years ago, that he developed a stress reduction clinic at UMass. And it's about eating a raisin. And so let me just share it with you if you're not familiar with it. I give everybody in the class a raisin. Sometimes I'll use craisins, but usually a raisin. I say I, I pass around the little bowl and I say take one, two if you really must, but really you only need one. And then we take three to five minutes to eat that one raisin. So I guide them through the meditation, noticing everything. And there's always somebody in the class, or usually somebody in the class, that just eats it. They like can't resist themselves. And I say, great. You're the control group. Now we have something to compare to. I'll come back to you and see what your experience was about eating that raisin, like right away. Then I guide the rest of the class through this exercise. And I have my little timer going so that I know we take three to five minutes. And I have them notice everything. You know, the, the, all the, incorporating all the senses, the taste, the smells, the juiciness. I mean, all those things. And you know what people say when they finish this exercise? They say, oh, my goodness, I never realized how much flavor one little raisin had. Because we don't typically eat like that. We don't eat in that mindful way. We eat so fast that we don't even notice the taste or what we're eating. Now, this makes the difference between eating two or three M&Ms versus a whole bag of M&Ms. Now, there's a, a little story that I often share about me because I love chocolate. I love dark chocolate, and it's always my little treat at, at lunch, after lunch. And I try to be really mindful with it. I have a really small piece of, of dove chocolate, and it takes me, I don't know, 15 minutes or so to eat that. And sometimes I'll forget. I'll be multitasking. I'll be on the computer, whatever, and it's gone. I eat it, and I don't even realize I ate it. You know, That's just one example of what being mindful can do for you and how it can change your life. It makes a difference between a little bit of something versus a whole bag of something, whether it's cookies or M&Ms or chocolate bars or whatever. Now, that's just one example. But we're going to hear from Sam Shelley today that it can do more for you than just, you know, eating less. It can change your life. So we're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, I'm going to introduce Sam. He's got a fascinating story, and I'm very excited that he's here to talk with all of us on the show today. So we're going to be right back with Sam, and you're going to hear more about mindfulness. This is Bonnie Gressel at The Gift of Choice. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who struggle to relax, sleep well, or even lose weight? Have you ever wondered why it's so hard? If you think your brain might have something to do with it, you're right. Now you can learn how to access the powerful energy of the mind-body connection with the Ultimate Health and Wellness Gift Set, a four-CD collection of guided meditations 
from holistic nurse practitioner Bonnie Gressel. You can use them all for yourself or split the individually wrapped CDs into gifts for friends and family. The Ultimate Health and Wellness Gift Set includes all of Bonnie's popular CDs, including Restful Sleep, Relax, Meditation for Busy People, and Weight Loss. To get your copy of the Ultimate Health and Wellness Gift Set, go to BonnieGressel.com and click the Products tab. That's B-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-O-E-S-S-L dot com. You're listening to The Gift of Choice with your host, Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice is sponsored by MNB Global Solutions, providing individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, as well as book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to mnbglobalsolutions.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Bonnie Gressel, your host here at The Gift of Choice. And today we're talking about mindfulness. Now, my guest today is Sam Shelley. Sam is an inspirational speaker, awakened spiritual teacher, and an anti-thought leader, as well as a mystic, divine love healer and author. His new book, I Don't Dwell, helps people to realize their true nature outside of their thoughts. Sam started with a simple practice, just five minutes a day, and after three months, he had a profound shift in consciousness. After the profound shift, he had a miraculous recovery from five incurable diseases that plagued him, including bipolar depression and multiple sclerosis. He was taking 13 medications a day and needed to walk with a cane. Today, he has no signs of disease, takes no medication, and no longer needs a cane. Had a miraculous recovery, and I'm so glad that he's here to join us today. Today, Sam is talking about the importance of taking time for yourself. Learn a simple method to take the power away from the inner critic. So welcome, Sam. I am so happy that you're here to join us today. Hi, Bonnie. It's an honor to be here. Great talking with you today. So how are you? I'm just fine, and I am looking forward to our conversation today. I know that you have lots of good stuff. Now, I always like people to... Start by telling a little bit more about their story, about their journey. I mean, I said a little bit in your bio, but would you share with all of us, the listeners and myself, a little bit more about your journey, what brought you to who you've become today, and maybe why you wrote the book when you did, I Don't Dwell. Okay, so I can go back a little bit. Back in the 1990s, I was very suicidal. Um, I was hospitalized a few times. And then um, I just had a lot of problems. Even growing up, even before that, I just had a lot of problems. I was a, always a scared-of-the-world type kid, always very anxious, always stressed out, just lots of issues with dealing with the world. So this came became bipolar. Then I was hospitalized for that. Then to fast-forward a little bit, I had some other things come up in between, but the biggest event that happened from the bipolar, if we flip, Fast forward to 2004, I found myself in the hospital because I couldn't walk. I could barely see. I couldn't swallow. I just, my whole body was shutting down. So they found out through the process of of exclusion, they did all sorts of tests, and they determined that it was multiple sclerosis because there's no one single test for MS. It's just they they eliminate. So they were doing all these tests, and they found, okay, there's nothing here. I have all sorts of point to MS. So at that point... 
they diagnosed with MS, and it was a long process just to be able to, to function a little bit. So after some time, I was I was pretty much back to somewhat of a normal baseline, it's like a new normal, or walking with a walker or a cane, taking all these medicines, and just try to function. And even like the heat, heat is really bad for multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. So right, anything above 70 degrees, I would have to wear a cooling vest or my body would start to shut down. And anything above 90 degrees, I just couldn't go outside. So yeah. I'm sitting here talking to you today in my living room. I see the thermostat's on 73, and I'm, I'm just doing fine with that. And that's the whole thing now is that I get to the point where between my bipolar, my psoriasis, my psoriatic arthritis, my migraines, and my MS, I've reached the point where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired, but I had no idea what I could do. So this, the universe I see is, is funny. It gives us all these experiences, and if we pay attention, there's a lesson in there to be learned. Mm-hmm. So I was a couch potato. In 2009, I was a couch potato. I used to watch a lot of TV. I used to watch a lot of ghost hunting shows. But when I watched these shows, I, said, I didn't know if it was real or fake. I just found it interesting. So when I saw like Ghost Hunt was coming to Philadelphia in 2010, I was like, well, let's see if I can go to this for an hour. Because with the MS, I had a lot of fatigue. But I figured I could probably push myself for an hour, get a hotel near the area, so I don't have to drive back. So I got myself to this event. Then I had an experience there I just could not explain. I had flashlights going on and off by themselves. And then I had like somebody sitting next to me that I couldn't see, but I felt a sense of dread. Because where I went to for this ghost hunt was Fort Mifflin. It was a former, had a whole sorts of history with the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And this one area was used as a prison for the Civil War. So I just had all these weird experiences in that area. So I was like, all right, that was interesting. What did I experience? So then I would start to read some books trying to figure out what I experienced. Like, what is this world of ghosts and spirits? So I started to read some books from, like, mediums and channels people who communicate with the dead. I was just like, all right, they communicate with the dead. There has to be something to this. So I started to read one of these, some of these books. And one of the books I read about talked about meditation. And the, one of the benefits of meditation was inner peace. And I simply knew right then and there, I needed meditation. I needed inner peace. So that night, I began with a very simple meditation practice where I would just sit there and just took time for myself, saying, I deserve time to myself, and I desperately wanted peace. So I would just sit there. I didn't have any techniques like you did in your beginning of the talk here, where you're just sitting there, and it doesn't matter how I sat, how I held my hands. It really didn't matter, because I didn't really have a teacher. I didn't read any formal meditation techniques. I simply read about the benefits of meditation. So I just simply knew that sit there and not react or respond to thoughts. Mm-hmm. And if thoughts came up, I would just come back to the body. But for the first two weeks, it was a real challenge because my thoughts were just so strong. That's the one thing with bi- a bipolar brain. There's so many thoughts. Like if a normal person thinks they have a lot of thoughts, just times up by five or ten, and you've got a bipolar brain. It's like continuous chatter that you're not good enough, mm-hmm. that you're not worthy, you're not deserving. Why you continue to live, it's like a nonstop parade of mm. negative thoughts. So I was in that mindset, So, but it took like two weeks of this, just five minutes before the mind would calm down a little bit. So by the third week, it was getting a little bit easier. And by the fourth week, it was pretty much becoming a habit where I, every day I just sat there for five minutes, not reacting and responding to thoughts. 
coming back to where my feet are on the ground, come back to my breath, come back to where my hands are, my butt in the seat. So something very simple. And my whole practice was I deserve time to myself. If my phone goes off, I'm not going to answer it. If the, my mind tells me to go watch TV or I'm wasting my time, I'm just going to sit there because this is my time. So by the third month, I was up there sitting 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, and I was journal, journal, journaling a little bit in the evening or morning. I was journaling a, a little bit in that process, but I consider it was just ego dumping. And I wasn't really paying attention to what I was writing too much. I was just writing after I meditation. I would just write. So, so after the third month, I just heard a voice one day after meditation. I was about to journal, and I just heard a voice say, perfect spirit. I'm like, that's it. Spirit is perfect. It's this body and mind that are damaged. Mm. And I simply knew that all was well. All sense of fear about my health just dropped away, and I just knew it was all over. So then I just spent the next 18 months in this space that all is well, and I've slowly declined my medicine. I wound up a slow taper off all my medication. It took like 18 months to get off all the medicine I was on through my slow taper. So I did the slow taper, and my body made a full recovery. Wow, that is an amazing story, Sam. And it's, I think it's interesting that what led you to it, and, and I'm a believer that there are no accidents, I don't, but there is a reason. What led you to it was being interested in the paranormal, and that's what got you to meditation, which is what got you to heal your body, basically, because, like you said, the, the spirit is, is fine. It's, you know, this physical bodies that we live in. That's an amazing journey. And and now it sounds like, you know, from, I mean, I'm assuming that this experience is one of the things that led you to to want to write this book. Right, because I, I wrote this book because people were asking me, how does this old man go from disabilities to no disability? Right. With no medicine and with a very simple practice. They were all looking at me like puzzled, like, how'd you do this? And I really didn't know. Since I got out of that mind, this, this intuitive voice just rose up and it replaced, like, all these negative thoughts. It was always this uplifting, supportive voice that came through. It's like, all right, now you need to recover the body. It's time to do yoga. Six months after I did these yoga exercises, I didn't need my cane anymore. I was like, oh, mm. then the voice told me I would need to stop the caffeine, so it switched to all water. There's all these things that would come up, like stop watching the news, all that fear-based programming, all this wisdom was just coming up of how to progress. But I was never really writing this down as I was going through it. I was just following the instructions of my own wisdom. So at the end, it was like, all right, I guess I really needed some clarity on what I did because people are asking all these questions. So then I just took the time and I just wrote the book. And even when I read the book, Back now, I've learned things uh, that I forgot about because I'm not one to dwell on thoughts anymore. Because so, mm-hmm. I'm out of that mindset. It's just life is just constantly flowing in this moment. Yeah, what an, an amazing transformation. And I mean, now how do you, you know, do you, you don't dwell on thoughts now. You don't, how do you, do you feel that you're, I mean, everybody's sort of on this continuum. I I kind of call it the 12-inch ruler. You know, 12 inches is closest to what you want. The zero is to what you don't want. And we're not, we never, we're, most people at least, aren't usually just stuck in one position. We kind of go back and forth. 
how would you describe your your life now in terms of finding you know mindfulness and meditation and yoga and how this can really help your life do you ever go back to having not so good thoughts oh yes that's part of being human the yeah, mind's yeah. always thinking like you're saying the mind yeah. is constantly thinking but my thoughts are quieter but they're still there yeah. and something will happen that will catch you that's life so it's constantly unfolding if somebody says that they're done with their unfolding they're not really done they're just fooling themselves Right. Because right. the mind is constantly generating thoughts. And life happens, you know. Like my father died. That kept caught me in this that caught yeah. me, you know. My father dying. These things happen. That's life. And if we didn't, you know, react and respond to life then then we're not really living. We're not really having this human experience. And we're here in this body for our human experience. So sometimes it's unpleasant this human experience. But we have to look for that, that joy in that moment, like, oh, I'm thankful to be alive to have this experience. Mm-hmm. Find those little things that you can at least hook back and just reminding you that, oh, I got a breath, another moment of life. Thank you. And just be in this place of just gratitude and thanks for all things. Because we don't know the divine lesson behind all things. Like, who knew that being a couch potato would lead to me checking something out. You know, you just never know where these things are just going to lead with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And there's this constantly amazed of, like, things just happen, and we reflect back and like, oh, now I see why this happened, or why this happened, or this, or that. There's all sorts of things we really pay attention. And that mind loves to live in the past or guess the future. But if we're just here in this moment, to seeing everything as an experience, it's neither good or bad, it's just an experience. And that, but those thoughts arise that create problems and issues because reality is neutral. Then thoughts arise, then we have a judgment in our opinion, our belief about it. But it's not really true. It's just neutral and just what our mind is telling us about this event. Yeah, I always say that you know stress happens and we can't live without it. But it's not the stress that's harmful. It's our reaction to it, and that right. we can choose. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, so mm-hmm. everything is a choice of how we react and respond. And if we don't if we don't have a mindful practice or a meditation, then those people don't really have a choice because they're just so caught up in their thoughts. They're not really taking that time for themselves. Mm-hmm. They just get wrapped up in so thoughts they're really in no control whatsoever. But if you know how to pause once in a while, then you start to add gaps into the thought stream. Once you add more gaps to the thought stream, you then you recognize that you're not your thoughts. So when you realize that you're not your thoughts, then life becomes easier. There's a certain flow to it, a, an ease, where mm-hmm. life just sort of you just see your thoughts and you just take the ones that are useful. That's why I call myself like the anti-thought leader because I see I saw from my past that most of my thoughts were nonsense. They were living yesterday, are guessing tomorrow. Every morning I would wake up in dread, like wondering, you know, are my legs going to work today? Am I going to swallow today? And this is constant state of dread. I was in this continuous loop, like, what's going to go wrong today? That's how my mindset when I was really sick. What's going to go wrong today? Now I wake up and it's like, thank you. I have another experience. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about the anti-thought leader, so thank you for, for describing that. You also call yourself a divine love healer. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, why well, I call myself the divine love healer, because now I've been... Now I can get into these deep states of meditation 
Mm-hmm. That's just where I go now with because the thoughts are just so quiet. I can get through these very deep states. When I was in this very deep state, I and one of the things that the preface is, I'm also a bit of a mystic because once I've got out of the mind, I have all these experiences. Like what I see in the paranormal shows is my daily life. There's spirits all mm-hmm. around me all the time, and that's my reality now. And just all these things that happen to me daily, it's just like, oh, this is my reality now. Seeing dead people like the Sixth Sense or whatever, talking to past loved ones, this is part of my reality now. And so now what I do with this divine love, healing, is when I was in this deep state of meditation, a being came to me, that's the best way I can describe to it, a high-level being came to me and said, here, do this. Give out this divine love, this grace to people. Because when we're not outside of our thoughts, our spirit is this divine love. You know, all, all everyone is equal. Everyone is loved unconditionally. This is this place of love. And true healing comes from grace. So I give out this grace that was given to me. Because I can see now when I heard that voice say perfect spirit, that was grace coming down, reminding me, you are a perfect spirit. You are not this body. You are not these thoughts. These are just your tools to have this human experience. And I just love all equally. I just see everything as a blessing. Everything is divine. Everything is perfect. Although the mind wants to catch you once in a while and say it's not so perfect because it's unpleasant. That's part of the human experience. Sometimes we have these unpleasant experiences to get us to pay attention to ourselves. Like I had to go through the pain of multiple sclerosis, bipolar, psoriasis, migraines to get that to, to get me to pay attention to myself because I was ignoring myself for so long. It was always responsibility of someone else to fix me. But when I took that time to come back to myself, it was like, oh, this is my time. Like we all need time to ourselves. The mind is chasing those one thousand and one things to do, but is it really necessary? Can we just stop and slow down a little bit and say, is this really necessary or is this a distraction? Like, what is that right action versus the distraction? Yeah, and it's always our choice. And we have, you know, you said something earlier in the show, Sam, about, you know, finding the the wisdom, the answer inside of yourself. And, And I think that we forget, many times people forget that we all have our own answers. We just don't always we're not always listening. We don't always hear them, but but the answers are there. And sometimes when it's sort of negative stuff, you know, some would say, and, and I tend to agree with this, that that's the ego talking, that that's not your real true guidance. That's more ego because it's negative. It's like, oh, this isn't going to work or, or, you know, this is a bad day or whatever because your true inner wisdom is not negative like that. Right, and that's why I tell people, you can tell the difference between intuition, this voice mm-hmm. that rises up in the mind. If the intuition is usually supportive, guiding, mm-hmm. you know, helpful, the mind is always limiting, chattering that you're not good enough or that you mm-hmm. can't do this or that, or I should have, I could have. It's always that should have, would have, could have mindset. But the heart, this intuition, this inner knowing of us is always supportive and helpful and reminding us of our infinite potential. It doesn't see limits. All limits are just coming from that mind. Yeah. Now, you talk about living from the heart and not the mind. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, living from the heart is just trusting our intuition 
and just okay. realizing that everyone has the same energy within them. They're all spirits, they're all souls, and they're all connected to God, to the source. So we're all connected to the source energy, if you want to call it that, or universe. So we're all one and different expressions of the one. So that's why I see living from the heart is just realizing that they are you, you know, they are you also. Their energy, their core is the same as you. It's just this outside. Their their human suit, if you will, is different. But their their energy, the one who sees through the eyes, hears the sound, smells the air, is the same. It's the same energy. So living through the heart is just recognizing that perfect spirit in all beings and seeing that all judgment, division, hate, fear is just coming from that mind. So any sense of separation is, is coming from that mind, but seeing everything as one is the heart. And I had that really profound experience when I was going through these 18 months of recovering the body because I am a mystic and I do have all sorts of interesting experiences I talk about in the book. After I had a full Kundalini awakening, which is, I'll get into it a little bit, but it's basically our, it's a full Kundalini awakening is basically everybody has Kundalini energy within them, and it resides at the spine. It's mostly dormant in most people, but it actually rose up for me until full awakening. It lasts like 14 months. It's basically when the energy from the spine releases out through the crown, and then when it does that, it just opens up all your chakras, all your energy centers, and it's just, it's very just really just, for me, it just felt like it was burning everything out of me that was no longer serving me. It just felt like an intense heat, an aggressive rewiring. But after that left, that energy left, the next morning I woke up and wherever I looked, I was that. There was no sense of Sam anymore. The whole identity just went away. So I could look at a chair and I was that chair. I could look at a table and I was that table. Although I did, at the time I didn't have labels. Wherever I was looking at, I was that object. That was my experience of oneness. And that's when I really got to experience that, yeah, everything is energy. Everything is connected. And we're just creating labels that are creating separation. So after a few days, I got a sense of sand back and I could least function again as a human. For a while, it was really confusing. Yeah. Now, what would you say was your, I mean, you, you know, you talk about your spiritual awakening and you talk about the profound changes that you had in your health after, you know, you had this experience during meditation. What would you identify, if there is something to identify, as sort of the the point of your spiritual awakening? Or has it been a, a gradual thing with all of these things that have happened to you or with you? No. Because what I would say when I heard a voice say perfect spirit, that was pretty much a switch for that me. That was it. That really yeah. switched. That was pretty much switched. That was the main switch for me. Not over, and then when I began meditation, I was like, oh, I have all these thoughts, but I am not these thoughts. It's sort of what it reminds me to like when Eckhart Tolle talks about his shift was when he was mm-hmm. saying to his, his inner chatter was, I can't live with myself. Then he stopped himself. He's like, who's this I that I can't live with? And that shifted him when he realized what he was not his thoughts. So for, for decades, I believed all my thoughts were the absolute truth, that I wasn't mm-hmm. good enough, that I wasn't worthy of life. Through so that meditation practice, that very simple practice that you talked in the beginning of just slowing that mind down to realize that your spirit is fine. It's just have all these thoughts that to slow down and just realize you are not your thoughts. You have your thoughts, but you are not them. They are not the absolute truth. They're mostly nonsense that keep you small. But it's just taking that little bit of time for yourself. 
So how do you now? I'm assuming that you see clients now in your practice as a yeah. a, a healer and a, and a teacher. How do you how do you get people started on a path of taking that time for themselves of of beginning a meditation practice? Because I know everybody well, says, "Well, I don't have any time to do something extra." How do how do you get around that? Well, I just talk to people and see where they are. Okay. I was out on a trip in California with this person. I was out in California, and I was talk- this person. I, I never knew this person before. I just ran into him, and we were just talking. And he he was always of kind for like, I don't have time for meditation. I have time for mindfulness. But I found out he loved football. So I figured mm-hmm. out how to use football as a spiritual practice. Ah. I had him notice as he was watching the football game about it was seeing like a player getting hurt and then you have all these opinions about the, the player being hurt, how the owner's reacting was and I was getting him to question all his thoughts and opinions about that hurt football player, about what the owner thought of it, what the coach thought of it. I just had him question his opinions and I showed him how to make that a spiritual practice. So I take people wherever they are and turn it into a practice where they can question their, their beliefs, their opinions, their thoughts. Anytime you can turn around and just question, are they the truth? Then that becomes your spiritual practice. Is this opinion and myself the truth? Just, you know, those simple little things. Just be people, people where they are. If you don't like meditation or mindfulness, there's other things that can be done to get you to question your thoughts. Yeah. Because the, you know, when I think about our inner wisdom and our intuition, that, that inner guidance that we all have, wherever you believe that comes from, God, the universe, the angels, Buddha, whatever, that connection is something that's very hard for people to get to very often because life is so busy. And there's all these things on their to-do list that they have to do, you know, or they're caring for a family or whatever. And so I think that that's a great way to, you know, and I do this too with my clients, you find out what they're already doing and just have them incorporate that into what they're already doing so it's not another thing that they have to do. Right. And it just works out perfectly because once they start to question their their opinions and beliefs as not the absolute truth, mm-hmm. then there's a little crack. There's a little awakening there. And it's like, oh, wait a second here. Maybe I am worthy. And this is a, some false voice that I'm hearing. Since you can realize that's a false voice, that's an awakening to me. Once you have that awareness that you are not your thoughts or your thoughts are not the absolute truth, that's just a little opening. And from that opening, mm. you can really expand from that. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another little break, Sam. And when we come back, I want to hear some of your ideas on how to stop dwelling on your thoughts and how to find that that true happiness from within. I talk about the internal versus the external locus of control all the time. And I wanna wanna hear from you and, and to share with all of our listeners. So this is Bonnie Gressel at the Gift of Choice, and we're gonna be right back to hear Sam talk about that in just a moment. Are you one of the millions of people who struggle to relax, sleep well, or even lose weight? Have you ever wondered why it's so hard? If you think your brain might have something to do with it, you're right. Now, you can learn how to access the powerful energy of the mind-body connection with the ultimate health and wellness gift set, 
a four-CD collection of guided meditations from holistic nurse practitioner Bonnie Gressel. You can use them all for yourself or split the individually wrapped CDs into gifts for friends and family. The ultimate health and wellness gift set includes all of Bonnie's popular CDs, including Restful Sleep, Relax, Meditation for Busy People, and Weight Loss. To get your copy of the Ultimate Health and Wellness Gift Set, go to BonnieGressel.com and click on the Products tab. That's B-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-O-E-S-S-L.com. You're listening to The Gift of Choice with your host, Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice is sponsored by MNB Global Solutions providing individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, as well as book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to m&bglobalsolutions.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is Bonnie Gressel here at The Gift of Choice. And I'm here with Sam Shelley today, and we're having a fabulous discussion on mindfulness, meditation, knowing what's true and not true, And Sam, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about how you help people to stop dwelling on thoughts, whether they're good thoughts or or bad thoughts, I mean, thoughts in general, because we spend too much time doing that. How are you, how do you approach that with your clients? And, And maybe you could share a little bit more about your journey. I know we've talked a bit about that, but what might be helpful for our listeners to leave with today? Yeah, when I see people dwelling in thoughts, they're not really here in this moment. They're not fully present in this exact moment. Their body is here in this moment, but their thoughts are taking them into, you know, yesterday, our guessing what tomorrow is going to bring, but they're not really here. So I'll have people, you know, just be more mindful, do more mindfulness practices. And just even simple mindfulness practices, you know, just feel your feet on the ground or you know, feel the handle of the door, just something, just to come back into this moment. And for me, what was a really good teacher for me for staying in the moment was yoga, because my balance was so poor when I began yoga. If I didn't pay attention fully in this moment, I would fall over. So I really had to be in this moment and really pay attention to what the body was doing, or I would fall over. So that was my mm-hmm. teacher to stay in the moment, <laughs> was just being fully aware where the body is in this space. Usually if people are going to like, oh, I need to go to the kitchen, the mind's already in the kitchen, and they forget about their themselves walking to the kitchen, all their footsteps, getting to the kitchen. So just taking that time of just noticing where your space, where your body is in this space, and just notice what you hear, what you smell, what you're touching, and just fully engage the senses, because we're just the witness of the senses ultimately. It's just a matter of just coming back to being that witness of the senses. Like, what are my senses picking up right now? Because the senses are here in this moment, unlike our thoughts. Yeah. So how do you, like, suppose you have, and I don't know, maybe you've you've not had this experience with one of your clients, but what would you do with someone who says, you know, I've got little kids, i got to get to work at a certain time, i got to get the kids ready for school, and I have to, you know, get grocery shopping, I get dinner out, and, you know, because many times women have two jobs if they work outside the home. They have that job, and then they come home, and they do another job because they've got their family. So how how do you help people to understand and to be able to fit that into their lives that they that they think is already too busy. You know, they pass out at the end of the day because they can't do anymore. 
Well, I get well through my teachings, I can get them to actually see that all this doing around, there's probably a lot of distractions in there that they don't need to be doing. Uh-huh. We at least try to at least modify their schedule a little bit. Like, do you really need to be doing this and this and that? And then I would, mostly I would get them out as multitasking. Multitasking is a myth. People think they can multitask, but there's been all sorts of research proving that the mind can only do one thing at a time, the conscious mind. The subconscious mm-hmm. mind can do many things at one time, but the conscious mind can only do one thing at a time. But it's very, it's very good at switching tasks very quickly, but it's inefficient. It takes a lot of energy. If people slow down, just do one task at a time till completion, they'll actually have a lot more energy at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. just really just helping them to see like what's really necessary and what are the distractions. The mind loves chasing distractions. It has that 1,001 things to do but the things that are actually necessary are maybe 10, 15, not the other hundreds of other items that are the mind has us chasing. Mm-hmm. Just do this, you know, 15, 20 items a day that are really necessary and just slow down and really concentrate on those tasks, and they will have a lot more energy. And it's all a matter of taking these small steps. You know, you can't go from, like, no practice to this huge meditation practice instantly. And what might, your practice of coming back into the present moment Maybe a minute a day of practice or two. You're not going to be practicing for 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day to begin with. They're just going to start very small steps. As they say, you know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So you find that single step for them that they can take a day. Then you add a second step that they can do. You just keep taking these small steps with them. You know, it's it's a slow journey. It doesn't have to be so fast. Yeah, I know in terms of you know meditation, that brings to mind when I began a meditation practice many years ago, I had trouble just sitting, just stopping and sitting. So I started actually as I was jogging. We typically jog out in the in the woods, in the trails around our house. So it's very, it's nature is to me is very healing anyway. And and that's how I you know began. I would sort of pace my breathing with my stride, and that's how I began. And now I still enjoy going out for a jog, and that's when that's my meditation time. My husband and I run together, and he knows not to say anything to me because I'm gone. I'm like in my zone <laughs> in my meditation time when I'm out there in, in the woods taking steps. So you can do it doing other things as well. And to, and I don't know. What do you think? I mean, to me, that's not multitasking. That's my. That's the time I really like to to sort of get centered. But I don't know. I right. mean, I don't know what your take is on multitasking for that. Yeah, because when you're jogging, you're paying attention to your senses. So you're being here present. That's perfect. That's a perfect practice. Because so I was I was talking to a jogger too. It's like, what are you thinking about when you jog? He's like, oh, I'm thinking about my problems at work, or I'm thinking mm. about what happened to me yesterday, or all these big meetings come up tomorrow. I'm like, well, what about what would happen if you just stopped that and just focused on your feet hitting the ground? Right. That's that's all it takes. Is okay. I can do that. That becomes your time to be present. Right. So if you jog every day, that's your practice of being present. You're not thinking about tomorrow or what happened to you earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. That's your time to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I was talking to somebody else earlier today, um, and she lives in um, Calgary, 
in Canada. And so their their summers are kind of short like ours here are in Wisconsin. And she said, oh, I know what you mean. I'd love to be outside. But she's got a, a sports-related injury, so she's kind of on the shelf for a little bit. And she really misses it because that's her meditation time too. So there are other people who, who you know incorporate it with whatever activity it is that that they really can get into that place and and just be mindful. So talk a little bit, Sam, about the happiness comes from within. True happiness comes from within, not from everyone else or circumstances or the outside. I talk about that a lot on the show. I want to hear your take on this. Yeah, to me, happiness is our true nature. Mm-hmm. Our true nature is this love, this peace, this stillness, this happiness. Just this joy and bliss is our natural state. And the only time it's not there is when the mind is making a judgment that things have to be different. For things to be, the mind's always saying that things have to be different. Well, because that's the mind. It's not here in this moment. The moment is the way it is. So we're constantly chasing happiness. That's what the mind does. It always wants instant gratification. Then when it gets gratification, and wants the next thing to be gratified, and the next thing, and the next thing. So you're constantly chasing gratification, happiness. You're constantly chasing it. So you're always chasing happiness outside of you, and you'll see that it's always fleeting. You have it, you don't have it, because you're always constantly chasing. But if you realize that your mind is creating a judgment that you are naturally happy and everything's okay within, then you're fully here in this moment. You no longer have to chase or seek outside of yourself. You see that you have all this wisdom within you. I see everyone is their greatest teacher if they can just quiet that mind down. Mm -hmm. One thing I teach people is that everybody can heal themselves if they hear the intuitive voice because it will guide you on all the steps that you need to heal yourself. So I really teach other people that let's quiet that mind down. Let's really build that intuition, trusting the intuition, so you'll know all those steps that you need to heal yourself, that the body is able to heal. And there's a line like from A Course in Miracles. You know, there's no degree of difficulties with miracles. You never Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. Like, I never knew that this disabled me, both mentally and physical disabled disabilities that I had would go away. They can say that they're in remission, whatever, but they're just not here in my life right now. They're just not here. There's no medicine. There's no cane. There's no more bipolar. There's no more multiple sclerosis. And people can say, ah, oh, your multiple sclerosis is in remission. But then how can you explain me juggling? I had no coordination in my left hand. I have it back now. I can juggle. You know, that's a miracle. Yeah. Well, miracles are all around. It, off, sometimes we don't notice them because we're not being mindful. You know, we're on to the next thing. We're not thinking about now. We're thinking about, you know, what happened or what's going to happen or what we're worried about. But we, if we were just, you know, I often say when I when I teach people about mindfulness, I often say that I know many people, and I do know many people, who like miss their whole life. You know, they say, you know, kids grow fast, and they do. But if you're not mindful, oh, my goodness, you miss everything. At yes. least enjoy that moment, whether it's you or your children or whatever. But you can add so much to your life. You can add so much time to your life, value to your life, if you just notice it. Otherwise, it's just gone. It's kind of like the chocolate I was talking about earlier in the show. Sometimes I'm, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm distracted and poof, it's gone. Yeah, because I, I feel like I missed most of my life because my life started out pretty much with the trauma. When I was six years old, I was nearly killed. 
and from being nearly killed by this van, I was always worried about myself, and my my parents became naturally ever protective. So this always left me in a state of fear, which led to the bipolar, the mental dis- disorders, the anxiety, the stress from being nearly killed when I was six years old. And you know that that gets you into the mind constantly that trauma, and yeah. unfortunately. Even I can think back now when I was diagnosed with bipolar, they never treated my PTSD from when Mm. I was six years old. So when I had to write my book, I had to use my meditation to handle my PTSD from six years old. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show today, Sam. I am so glad that you've taken time out of your busy day to share time with all of us, with our listeners and some of the, the wisdom that, that you have shared is awesome. So now if you want people to leave with one thing, say they leave with nothing else but, but one little golden nugget, what would that be from your perspective? Just one simple phrase, I deserve time to myself. Yeah. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's 30 seconds or one minute, you deserve time to yourself. Because if you are not strong, then how can you really help others? Right. Right. Oh, perfect. So now, how can people connect with you? And I know your book is on Amazon. I think I put all of your links on the show page, so anybody who's listening on Blog Talk Radio, you can click on those links. But what's the best way, Sam, to to reach you, to get your book? Share that yeah, with Yeah, so they can, get to my, they can get to my website, don'tdwell.org, and they can read the first chapter of my book on my site. And I share all sorts of articles, and I have some videos on there. And people can just reach me. I have all my social media links, my website, and they can just contact me and read all my stories. I think I have 80 blog posts on there, all my different journeys, how I did the bipolar brain, the multiple sclerosis. So there's a lot of details in my blog posts out there. And I do share a lot of information. I do have my Facebook pages. There's all sorts of ways to get out there with me, but it's just don'twell.org will take you to all my sites. And I always make myself to everyone. That's why I see that we're all fighting this battle called life. There's a lot of mm-hmm. challenges. You don't have to go it alone. Unfortunately, that's why I see I went alone for so many decades and really suffered. So I really want people to see that you don't have to suffer. There are people out there like myself, yourself, to help them with their mindset, to get out of this pain, get out of this suffering. There is a way for you. Just find that person that you connect with and let them help you. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for sharing time with us today and all of your wisdom. I I do so appreciate it. Um, Next week, it's going to be the Bonnie and Betty show, and we're going to be talking about sensuality. So a little bit of a different topic than mindfulness, but you know, you use mindfulness in that too. And we'll talk more about that next week on the show and all the ways that we can tap into that in our lives. So this has been your host, Bonnie Gressel, here at The Gift of Choice. It's my honor to bring you another great show. And until next week, oh, thank you, Sam, so much for sharing with us. So until next week, blessings, everyone. You've been listening to The Gift of Choice, hosted by Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice has been brought to you by MMB Global Solutions, your source for individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, along with book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to mnbglobalsolutions.com.